right, folks, time for some pre-cals. What do we got today? We need, we need pre-cal music, by the way. Can we get some pre-cal music? Add right. in a little something in the background? Let me see if we could get something. Something <laughs> like Elvis, you know, the intro music for Elvis. Yeah, Elvis. there you go. <laughs> I, I think Inner Sandman, something. There something you go. Like That's even better. We're, we're going to have to pay somebody. Yeah. Costume if we do that, though. You, you don't want that. You don't want yeah. that. No, I can't see hey, that. So, so back to the actual topic. Today we have uh, uh, two guys joining us. That you know, we 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 got two. We've got two guests today. Um, we have uh, vice presidents. They are with Sunrise. It's a new home sleep apnea testing device that's set to hit the market. We have um, Skip Ashmore, who is the vice president of sales, and we also have Phil Dukes, who is the vice president of clinical research. And uh, both longtime guys who've been around the, the industry of sleep. And, and um, I, I know, at least for the three of us, we've known uh, Phil for, you know, a long number of years. Long and uh, he, I think that his, R, his RPSGT number might be a little lower than mine, which means he's older than me. So I, I feel pretty good about that. There you go. Somebody for a change. That's right. <laughs> You know, it's going to be neat to hear about this because, I mean, it's like all the people we've had on so far. We, they're innovative. It's different. They're they're approaching sleep in a really unique way, and you know, I it's going to be fun to hear them take a deep dive. I'm I'm, I'm sure we won't hear enough, but I, I'm looking forward to hearing just how how the technology works. I think that's going to be really insightful for our listeners. That, that's the thing. I mean, when you think about it, for all these years, uh, you know, technology changed from pen and ink to the computer, but then what else has been happening? And many of us are not really privy to that or maybe nothing else is happening. So it'll be good to hear what else is going on in the background and and just uh, how do they harness all the latest technology for sleep today? Yep. All right, you guys ready? Do we yammer enough? That's good. Yeah, that's good. So I think we should go get onto the show. Let's get onto it. All right. All right, folks, hold on a second as we get ready for the show. Lights out. Welcome, everyone, once again to another episode of Sleep Tech Talk, the sleep podcast with your hosts and friends, Emerson Kerr, Robert Miller, and me, Dr. Gerald George Money Corrode. Before we start, just want to say thank you so much for your support, all the likes, all the subscriptions. Don't forget to hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe. Most importantly, do not forget to share this with your friends, your sleep tech friends, or anybody in, involved in sleep. Don't forget to share it with them. Let's keep the love growing. With that, Emerson, uh, sorry, Robert, could you tell us what's going on today? Yeah, I know it's easy to mistake Emerson and I. Uh, I know. So no, no problem. Very prettier than I am. <laughs> hey, this is going to be a great, uh, a great time today. We, we have with us a, a couple of seasoned veterans in the, the industry for sleep. We have uh, Skip Ashmore, who is the vice president of sales. And we also have Phil Dukes, who is the vice president of clinical research with Sunrise. Um, I'm excited to hear about uh, a little bit about their background, but then so we'll we'll hand it off to those guys to tell us a little bit about themselves. But more importantly, they have a new home sleep apnea testing device that is um, on the horizon, and uh, we hope to get some details and maybe even a little bit of 
information about how that uh, particular device works because it's a little non-traditional uh, compared to some of the other things that are out there today. So uh, Skip and, and Phil, whichever one of you wants to take it first, we'll, we'll pass the baton to you. I, I can go first because I think Phil's uh, background is a lot more interesting from a sleep perspective uh, than mine. But um, I've, uh, as you indicated, I, I oversee the commercial effort uh, for the Sunrise in the U.S. I've been with them for about a year. It's coming up another month, it'll be about a year. But prior to that, um, spent about 30 years in the med device space. I'm a heck of a lot older than most of you, all of you guys. And was spent a lot of time in surgery and, and GI and nephrology. I had the privilege of actually working with Phil at Itamore and um, was there from about 2018 to 2020, right around the pandemic. Um, and so uh, I, that's where I got, I think, the sleep bug. Um, I was actually, prior to joining Itamore, I was with my internist at my annual visit and I asked my internist sleep, diet, or exercise, what's more important, expecting him to say diet or exercise. And he said sleep. And so that was very comforting because I was getting ready to start up with it in the sleep space. So this is my second gig in the sleep space. I'm really, really excited. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about the company after uh, Phil introduces himself, but it's great to be with you guys. It's an honor to speak with you. Yeah, it's great to be with you guys. Um, I'm, I'm glad somebody's doing this, tackling uh, sleep tech talk. So I actually started in the field of sleep medicine in 1990, worked in uh, Houston, Herman Hospital, a few other um, hospitals in that area. And uh, I was an RPSGT and uh, I moved up, I got married, moved to Denver and um, opened up a sleep center up there that was one of the first that had a dentist that was actually fashioning and uh, making oral appliances in the actual sleep clinic. We sold DME um, and we grew that and sold it. And then I joined um, another guy did the same thing in Texas and Oklahoma. Um, and then we sold that in 2005. And then I joined Fisher and Pico Healthcare, which was my first venture into sales. I was in the clinical team. We were launching some products that were um, unique at the time, the integrated heated circuit that um, Fisher and Pico was known for. Um, joined Somnomed for about a year um, and helped launch the uh, the Matrix and uh, you know <laughs> that device. Um, and then in 2010, Itamar approached me and diagnostics my first uh, love. It's you know where I'm most comfortable, and so I joined. Um, them home sleep apnea testing at the time was really just getting funded. Um, there were new codes coming into play. Uh, transportation was looking like it was going to actually become a new hot opportunity. Um, and I was with Itamar for 10 years selling the watch pad, 11 years actually, until last year when um, I stayed on after we sold to Zoll for about six months and then joined Sunrise in May, June of last year. Hey, that's awesome. Uh, by the way, when we get to the end of the call, you'll have to tell us what your registry number was in, in sleep. Uh, we, we always ask people who's been around for a while. Yeah, I was, uh, I was in the 900s, yeah. That, there you go, that's amazing. Well. So let's jump into the let's jump into the actual product and and talk about what Sunrise has. I, I've actually been exposed to the Sunrise product for a few years now, 
Um, Fabian reached out to me on LinkedIn uh, a couple of years ago and we started talking and um, it was really sort of getting an understanding of how sleep, home sleep testing was performed in the U United States versus, um, you know, in, in his area and, and what their sort of medical world looks like in, in that part of the world. So he, um, him and I had multiple conversations over the years and uh, I'm, so I'm happy to see that you guys are, are now getting close to uh, uh, becoming a you know, a, a player here in the in the country. Yeah, we we actually got a great Christmas present um, this past Christmas, December twenty second. We got our FDA clearance for our second version of the product. Um, and I know your viewers can't see this, but that's what it looks like. You guys can see it. Um, uh, the V one actually, the version one was approved back in January of last year. And we knew that we we're going to use that as our predicate for V2. So V2 comes with everything that V1 had with the mandibular jaw movement, which I'll let uh, Phil describe in, uh, in a couple seconds here. But what we did is we added a couple additional signals that are very common to uh, what the sleep clinician is, is seeing on a regular basis, that being SpO2 or PPG and heart rate and, and O2 saturation, as well as the thermistor picking up airflow. So it's doing everything that V1 uh, did and more. Um, the device is, a, is about eight grams. It's a multi-night device, which is really exciting because we're finding, as, as you guys know, uh, probably better than I do, that um, the variability night to night is pretty significant. And with some patients, particularly someone like myself who's a light sleeper, I can have a great night's sleep and a really rotten night's sleep. And if you get me on either one of those, you might get a misdiagnosis. But uh, I'll, you know, the, the real cool thing about it is this mandibular jaw movement, and I'll let Phil describe in more greater detail exactly how that's working and some of the really exciting clinical work that we've done to, to validate it. Robert, are you ready for me to tackle that? Um, Absolutely. Jump in. Of course. So as Skip was talking, uh, you know, I was, I was going to quickly just tell you the signals that we'll actually be acquiring. Um, so there's, two signals that we call the MJM, mandibular jaw movement signals, one of which is an accelerometer and the other is a gyroscope. Um, those signals are uh, have been compared to simultaneous synchronized PSG with esophageal pressure. And I'll explain how they work in a minute. Um, we also look at head position, airflow through a thermocouple, um, SpO2, so oxygen saturation, and then pulse rate. So those are the six signals that are being acquired. And that data then is connecting to a smartphone. It's also being stored on the device itself. And in the morning, that data then gets transferred into a portal, docs alerted. So that's sort of the workflow. But as Skip was showing you, um, the device is a single point of contact and it has all of those signals within that single point of contact, which is pretty amazing. Now, what really di distinguishes the device from anything else in the market is its ability to actually um, quantify um, the amount of respiratory effort that's occurring with respect to um, an, an event. And we, we, we've looked at events from central apneas, central hypopneas, obstructive apneas, obstructive hypopneas, reras, et cetera. And we can actually... Um, quantify all of those events and how it does it is um, when you fall asleep you actually get a little bit of what we call a jaw drop others call it a mouth opening 
but the accelerometer that's in the device is actually measuring how much of a drop you are getting. The gyroscope is actually measuring what the rotation at the TMJ condyle region um, is creating. And so we have this rotational amplitude as well as this jaw drop. And the jaw drop is obviously helping us understand whether or not a patient it will have an arousal because what happens when you have the arousal is actually the jaw then closes. And so we're, we're talking millimeters here. And I think I've said this before, but um, it's, a, it's a reference to something Dennis Bailey, a dentist out of Denver told me years ago, which is in the mouth, in the oral far pharyngeal space, a millimeter is a mile, right? And so we're talking about millimeter changes that are occurring um, that create rotation as well as this jaw-dropping phenomenon. And so this, Phil, yes. Phil, I'm just really curious. It's fascinating listening to this. So I get, you know, with my limited understanding, I get the ability with the acceler accelerometer to measure the jaw drop, but then how are you getting that signal to get the um, the other signal? I, I can't remember now what, what it's called. Yeah, so um, the the jaw actually rotates um, and oscillates um, at the breathing frequency. And so as you're breathing, you get sort of this rotation in the jaw, and we measure that with the, the, the gyroscopic signal. Does that make sense? So if you think about the, the musculature of the jaw, there's an incredible amount of musculature, but there's also innervation. And that innervation is tied directly to what we call the central command center, which is in the pons. So you have these nerves that run off the pons region of the brain into the musculature of the jaw. And this then is able to be measured in terms of how much rotation is being created. So we can see everything from no rotation, right, for a central event to increasing rotation, what we call increasing respiratory effort. And this, we think, is going to be a new signal that can then help us with remote patient monitoring and some other uh, cross-signal analysis, right? Hypoxic burden is one aspect of whether or not a patient might have what they call sleep apnea burden, despite adequate compliance and use of a CPAP. But increase, the amount of increase in respiratory effort is something that I think Danny Eckert and others have actually shown um, can be endotypically a, a way to actually determine whether or not a patient is going to have continued problems or daytime somnolence despite adequate use. So Phil, one of the questions that I know you and I've talked about recently in a separate conversation was just the that action of the jaw tied to the pharynx. So when we when you look back at that and we're trying to just sort of map this out for our listeners, what is causal? Is the jaw movement causal or is the airway in its collapse causal? Is it all just one big movement? How do we how do we understand that anatomically, how those work together? Yeah, I think um the airway collapsing is is causal, right? I mean, um, that that certainly is the cause. It's um, it's going to create both the jaw opening as well as the jaw closing, right? And so um, we would argue that the the airway itself is 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 causal. Hey, by the way, I was going to tell a joke, but I didn't get in in time. I was going to say that for us guys who are in sales, we're going to have lots of extra muscle uh, tone in our uh, in our jaw lines from all the talking we have to do during the day. Um, yeah. but 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 I was 
I was also going to mention that I saw some of the early V1 um, studies that were correlated to uh, in-lab polysomnogram and, and was blown away at, at the, I mean, literally just, you know, breath for breath and apnea for apnea. Uh, it was spot on with, with PSG. Now this V2 with some additional channels, uh, are you seeing the same type of accuracy? I assume so, but have there been clinical studies done? Yeah, so the, the algorithm itself has been enhanced and improved with the mandibular jaw movements with the accelerometer and gyroscope. So we anticipate being able to iterate. That's the beautiful thing about AI, right? So we've one of the exciting things about this company um, is that it has a real focus on clinical validation for its products. The two young men that started this, their father is a sleep physician. And when they went to him and said, hey, we want to start a business, tell us about sleep medicine. He said, I'll help you, but you guys have to promise me that you're going to apply rigorous clinical research to whatever product you bring out of the marketplace. And they've done that. So we've got about 8,000 patients, as, as Phil mentioned earlier, that are simultaneously with PSG and a mandibular jaw movement um, uh, device, either V1 or V2. So we'll continue to iterate that um, and then, in, you know, obviously incorporate some of the other signals that we've incorporated into the device and the algorithms. Go ahead, Robert. All right. So um, I, I know that, you know, some, some, some of the folks who are sort of old school, you know, they, they want a belt and they want a finger probe. And, and um, I, I know that V2 had to incorporate the, um, uh, you know, airflow as a, as a channel, you know, in order for it to become a billable service here in the, in the U.S. And I assume it's going to be a 95800 device. Yep. Okay. Um, so what would you say to those um, physicians and clinicians who are, you know, a little skeptical about all of this new technology that seems to be more disposable, much smaller, and it's, it's sort of science in a box in some cases because you don't really know, you know, it, it's easy to see a thermistor, you know, change the signal as a patient inhales and exhales. With this, you, you don't get to see that as obvious as you do with, with some of the other devices that are on the market. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I mean, Skip and I both worked for uh, Itamar Medical, which sold the watch pass. So uh, we've been through this uh, before. Um, look, uh, I think um, disruptive technologies are um, something that, that uh, you know, always take an effort to be able to um, get individuals that are looking at maybe changing their their, their device selection to get some experience with. And so one of the things that we'll probably do a lot of is what we did at Itamar, which is, um, you know, ask them to, to, to try it on patients in their own sleep centers, right? I mean, see the signals themselves. Now, we do think that we have some advantages over the PAT in that we have a very, very similar looking um, effort so that you get from belts we also have airflow and so watchbat had none of that now the other thing i would say robert is that um there's quite a significant debate in the marketplace these days with even some lawsuits around measuring oximetry from the finger we're actually not doing that and so skin type you know at the finger as well as peripheral vascular issues become a major problem if you're measuring at the, at the finger and we're actually not, we're measuring here underneath the lip, which is rich with oxygenated blood, you know, not surprisingly. Um, so 
I think we have some very significant advantages over um, traditional cardiopulmonary HSATs and even the WatchPAT in that our measurement technique is, is, is much more, it looks much more like what they're accustomed to seeing. Um, so the signals when you, that are displayed in the raw data will be very similar to what they see today from their own cardiopulmonary channels. Um, as well as I think our oximetry um, gives us some pretty significant advantages if you're looking at the the data these days. Phil, I I like where you're going with that because you know as as our listeners think about okay how does this relate to what I'm used to seeing you know I've seen the graphics of how the mandibular movement works compared across a PSG but you know for our listeners how could you describe that because it's really fascinating to see that graphic of, of the of the respiratory event and how the mandible responds to that. If someone was validating this with a PSG and saying, okay, I, I don't believe this, this is hocus pocus, you know, but I'm gonna try it out. What should they be looking for in their sleep study? Yeah, I think what, what, what um, you get from the gyroscope are sinusoidal waveforms, very much like what you get from a, a, a nasal, cannula, um, you know, nasal pressure, or even from your respiratory effort belts. The, the, the difference that you, you, you see with um, the mandibular jaw movements is that you get a better look at the increasing respiratory changes that are occurring um, prior to the arousal. And so if you um, think about, uh, you know, your traditional um, sleep apnea patient, right? They have this decreasing airflow um, and they have this increasing effort at the end of the event. Um, that's exactly what you see from the manipular jaw movement signals. So um, it's, it's very similar looking to a respiratory effort belt, respiratory in, inductive pleth belt, um, very similar to what you see from a soft geopressure signal and very similar to what you'd see from an airflow signal. So I think um, the advantage that we have is that these will be signals in terms of the display um, that, they're, that the, the uh, practitioners and clinicians are already oriented towards. Whereas a PAT signal, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a blood, it's a blood flow signal, right? It's looking at changes in um, vascular tone as, as they call it. And so, that's a very, very different signal than what you get from a watch pad or, or, or from the Sunrise device. Um, sunrise would be much more closely aligned with what you get from a PSG or cardiopulmonary um, signals. Yeah, I'd completely agree with that because you're right. When you see it, it's that, that kind of crescendo effect, you know, with the resuscitative breath at the end. And it, it lines up so nicely in a, in a, um, in a PSG. So, you know, when you think about this, I mean, it's such groundbreaking research that you guys are a part of, where do you see it going? Because this, this is just the beginning with this kind of technology. What do you see coming out of it? What does the future look like for the type of technology you've created with Sunrise? Skip, you want to take it or you, you want me to take it? I'll be happy to kind of weigh in. Yeah, there's a, one of the things that just recently been published was a study that looked at about 8,000 sequences in about 38 patients, um, and it compared um, sunrise and, and its ability to predict uh, prevalent uh, hypertension in OSA patients. And it was remarkably um, 
uh, remarkable agreement with you know many of the other indices that are, that are normally used to predict. Those are being mostly anthropometric uh, measurements, right? And it was actually found to be much better than traditional AHI and some of these other metrics. So, and we're we're looking at this in in other disease states, diabetes and things of that nature. Um, hope to get into being able to predict endotyping, but there's a lot of work that has to be done with that. Um, I think Phil, I'll turn it over to Phil because he's got some real strong opinions on where we probably should be going and what we think we can do with this. And to answer the question earlier uh, that Robert asked, you know, why would a, 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 a physician embrace this new technology that may require them to think a little bit differently? Um, Phil, you, you talked a little bit about compartmentalizing patients, you know, the ones that really need to get to a certain type of therapy versus uh, others that you can, you know, just move on to standard therapy. Yeah, I think one one of the, the the problems that you have today in sleep medicine is that the number of sleep physicians that are in the marketplace um, is roughly about fifty five hundred, and we're really not growing, um, you know, that that number significantly these days. Um, and the the obesity rates are on the increase significantly. And so um, there's a bottleneck. Um, and how do you extend the point of care? I think there hasn't really been a device out there that, uh, that sleep physicians are comfortable enough to extend the point of care outside of the board certified sleep physicians. So if there isn't a device that's capable of doing that, then how is it that you are going to be able to get sleep physicians to be able to see an increased number of patients. It's probably utilizing extenders to do follow-up on um, consultations for therapy and having the board certified sleep physician focus on the patients that are going to be difficult, right? They're either complex, they may be struggling with CPAP, right? Whatever the issues may be, maybe they, 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 they need to go the Inspire route, but there's about if you look at the data, about 20 to 30% of, of patients are, are going to be very, very complex. And so um, we, want this, we want to identify those patients as early as possible so that the sleep physician is following them much more closely than they can today. So I have a lot of friends that are sleep physicians and most of them will tell me that it takes somewhere between three and six months for them to even see a patient, right? And so um, the reason that we want to get better with the ability to endotype diagnostically is so that we can actually alert the sleep physician to the ones that they need to focus on. And then the easy button patients that uh, are going to do well with, with CPAP or with Inspire and all the other great therapies that are out there, oral appliances, those patients can be followed up by extenders. And now you, 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 you actually can clear the bottleneck a bit. Um, I don't think it's a, a perfect solution, but I think it's significant improvement. So we have you know, some data to suggest that perhaps we'll be able to, um, you know, utilize our technology to be able to better alert the physician as to who is going to be that complex, difficult patient that needs focus from the board certified sleep physician. All right, I got to jump in because I, I feel the I feel the pressure of Jerry getting ready to jump on and say, hey, I got to end this thing because he, he always does that. 
Um, so, so three quick questions. Uh, the, the first would be, is the, is the device disposable? Um, second would be, um, how does the data transmit? I assume there is an app maybe on the patient's phone and, and it's able to transmit data uh, that way. And then, uh, Jerry, I'm going to steal maybe one of our other questions, which would be, it, can you guys give us an idea when it would be available um, in, the, in the U.S.? Uh, so I'm going to add one more to that real quickly. You spoke a little bit about AI. Could you touch on that as well? Yeah. So let me address the first. So it's disposable and recyclable. So one of the cool things about the technology is it's really small and it comes in a little box and we can put a little envelope in there with a stamped address and patient just pop that thing in there and send it back to us and we can repurpose some of it. Um, so it is, it is very much a disposable device. Uh, the second question you asked was around... Um, what was the second one? The, the, how does the data transfer? Okay, so yep. one of the cool things about it is it's uh, it actually has memory on the device. So one of the challenges you see with some of the other devices in the market is that it's Bluetooth uh, dependent. So if you have Bluetooth breakage, you potentially lose data. So this device has got memory on it. So when you once you start the study, you can have your phone anywhere. It can be in the bathroom. It can be downstairs. It doesn't. It's not transferring data to the phone to the app and up into the cloud. When you're done with a study, you simply wake up the phone, the app pops up, you hit end, it'll ask you again, do you want to hit end the study? You do that and ask you a couple of questions. And then uh, all of the data then through BLE goes to the phone and then either wireless or cellular up to the cloud. And within minutes, the report is generated, the patient is told that everything's good. Uh, obviously an email or text, however you wanted to configure it, uh, goes to the physician saying this, you know, Skip Ashmore's study report is, is ready for your review. Yep. And then, uh, and then the last one I think was the AI. Jerry, do you want to handle that? That was it. Phil's a lot smarter than I am. So <laughs> I'm really, I'm really not that smart, but um, yeah, I mean, um, machine learning AI is what um, has, has, has uh, enabled us to get to where we are today. Um, there's really two types of AI, right? Um, there's machine learning and then heuristic. AI, right, which is a rules-based type AI. And what we've done is kind of blended the two. And so, but machine learning was what we trained um, the algorithm on. And then we have increased number of simultaneous PSGs and uh, sunrise studies that we then can continue to feed it data, right? And it continues to learn. We recently just did a, a, a increase in the data feed on our sleep-wake differentiation as well as um, REM and non-REM um, categorization. And we saw a significant improvement um, just with increasing the amount of data that we fed into the actual AI. That's awesome. Uh, you know, uh, with ChatGPT being the talk of the town these days, that's the flavor yeah. of the month, I guess. And so it's it's always curious when somebody talks about AI. So uh, and especially that you talked about machine learning and the heuristic uh, version rules base. It, it was very interesting to hear that. I'd love to go a little deeper into that, but um, we have to we have to close. We're going over time. Before we close, when is uh, when is uh, the second version expected to release? So we're in the process of uh, we we in fact I just shipped off another ten batches to a handful of folks uh, to to evaluate. Um, so we expect to be selling probably by March first. Um, okay. 
being finalized. And so, yeah, we're real excited. We, so, you know, a lot of folks have tried V1 and they loved it. I think they're going to like V2 even better. Fantastic. Well, we have to close right now. And um, so everybody's out there, look forward to version two V2 coming out uh, in, in, in March. Uh, this episode recorded is recorded well ahead of time, but just want to let you know, for those that are listening, it's in March that this is being released. And Skip, Phil, thank you both so much for joining us uh, today. We, we sincerely appreciate your time being here. And the audience out there, all you folks, we can't thank you enough for listening. Can't thank you enough for your viewership. Just keep it growing. We look forward to it. We appreciate the support. Don't forget to smash that like button. Don't forget to subscribe. And most importantly, do not forget to share this with your friends, all sleep-related uh, professionals all over the world. And until next time, until the next episode, we just want to say thank you and lights on. All right, guys, time for some post-cals. What did y'all think? I'm smarter than I was before we started this podcast. That's all I got to say. All you got to do is hang around with Phil, and he's going to make you feel smart. Man, yeah. he's there's so much information in that guy. He's just brilliant. You know, just to hear that with one point of contact, the amount of information that can come out of it. It's just absolutely phenomenal. And uh, chat GPT is, seems to be the talk all over the place and uh, all over town right now. And people are talking about, shucks, I had some friends from overseas that were messaging about AI. Well, you know, how do you utilize it? And these guys are actually putting it into practice already. It's absolutely amazing just to think about that. You know, it I, absolutely I, for is. me, it was, it, it's, it's almost like, if you could take all the home sleep apnea testing devices that are out there and sort of wedge them together and, and come up with, you know, disposable, uh, uh, able to transmit data, the internal memory to make sure that the data is safe and, and doesn't get disconnected. Um, you know, the, the, the recording actually having some of the same channels that we would typically see with, with other types of equipment. I mean, all of those things sort of check the boxes, I think. Right. And don't forget, uh, there's also for all those people that are, you know, interested in sustainability, it's recyclable as well. So it's not yeah. just disposable. They can actually recycle these things, which is really cool as well. I think when you look at the signals that it, it produces, along with the sustainability and the fact, you know, that it has all of those different signals that we all are just comfortable with, it's confidence building. And, and when you go and look at their research and you see how the waveform works relative to chest movement, uh, nasal pressure and everything, man, it just lines up all the way down the page. And so I think if, if our listeners will take a minute and really take a, a, a smart dive into how it looks and how it correlates, I think the comfort level is gonna be extraordinary with this product. It's very innovative, it's very disruptive, and I think when we look at mandibular movement or mandibular jaw movement, more specifically, there's a lot there. And it's just so eye-opening all this time when we, especially as sleep techs, if we think about the mouth opening, we think of a chin strap. Right. <laughs> we don't think that it actually could be tied to the airway and that the the actual movement could have this, this reflective uh, biomarker of what's going on in the pharynx. And that's just really incredible to, to discover that and capitalize on the work of Pepin and Mark and what they've done in France. It's just, it's amazing technology.
But if you think about it, you know, back in the old days, in the in the actual, you know, polystenography days of, in some labs at least, I know that they used three chin leads, and you know, you would have went under under the the mandible with a couple, and then one right where the uh, the, the sunrise device is going to be. So, uh, you know, it it's been there. You know, the the idea of sort of measuring that that area has has been there. But my goodness, all the data, and then even talking about the accuracy of of oximetry at that particular area versus you know a peripheral arterial um, uh, signal. You know, it's it's amazing and well thought out technology. And I, Emerson, it sounds like you and I've seen the same tracings. Where I, I mean, mine was a, a live. You know, they were able to show up uh, in the first demo I did with the version one. It was a, a live. You know, correlation with PSG, and you saw the when the PSG showed an apnea, the the sunrise device showed an apnea as well. So it it was incredible. I mean, I was I was blown away. Absolutely, we 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 literally saw the same thing. And again, it's you know as we we think about uh, sleep technology and and the role we play, this is just another way that our our peers can can use a tool that aligns with how they're trained, how they think. And they're able to see signals that they understand and, you know, and, and now can inform their patient and education, educate their patient with, so for our sleep coaches, our sleep educators, our sleep techs, these kinds of technologies are so important to just own it, learn about it, and empower yourselves with it so that you can take better care of your patients. Agreed. 100%. No, this is uh, exciting stuff. And by the way, this is, I think this is a sleep tech talk exclusive that that we heard it here first, uh, first. about when, when the device is going to be available in the in the U.S. So um, you know, I think we get to spill the beans. Well, we need to have uh, these guys back. Yeah, we need to have them back and take a deeper dive. This was yeah. yeah there's just so much that we could talk about. I, I I agree. I would love to have them back and learn a little bit more about what's going on after uh, post launch. All right, uh, I think it's time to shut down and. Uh, folks out there thank you once again for all of your support and until next time cheers <laughs>